Did you know by age 50, half of all men have an enlarged prostate? This means more urges to urinate, longer bathroom trips, waking at night to urinate, or issues with sex. If this sounds familiar, call us now, because we're shipping free bottles of Super Beta Prostate to listeners of this station. Super Beta Prostate is a non-prescription formula guaranteed to reduce the symptoms of your enlarged prostate. It's yours free. Pay only shipping and handling. Just call 1-800-391-6916. In clinical trials, the ingredient in Super Beta Prostate was shown to reduce urges to urinate, improve bladder emptying, reduce waking at night to urinate, and improve quality of life. This Super Beta Prostate free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Don't wait. Just call 1-800-391-6916. That's 1-800-391-6916. Call 1-800-391-6916. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks. Thank you very much. Hour number two of Chuck Moore Speaks, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon, Eastern Standard Time here at the USA Radio Networks. Welcome to the program. My guest of this segment is Russ Baker. He is a writer, a blogger, a researcher, a journalist. His website is who, what, why at whowhatwhy.org. Russ, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Russ, you've written a, a cross-section of issues here that we could get into, but two issues caught my attention as a Bostonian, and that is the passage of Danny Schechter, known to, in Boston as the News Dissector, for his many years of work on WBCN, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that, and also your coverage of the uh, marathon uh, attack, the marathon bombing. Let's start with Danny Schechter. He was, uh, you know, while I, I come from the uh, opposite end of the political spectrum, I admire the fact that he was uh, outspoken in his views and, uh, and was, and, and was uh, very much different than what I think has happened in Boston media today, which is sort of a homogenization, a, a kind of a, you don't hear opinions that are, are particularly pronounced, whether it be from the left or the right. And that, I think that might be why Danny was driven out of town. What are your thoughts on, on his career and his influence? Uh, well, first of all, let me say that uh, uh, Danny was a uh, really a... Uh, uh, like nobody else, he 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 was an authentic person. He, uh, I knew him. It uh, must be for twenty years or so. So here in New York, I did not know him when he was on radio in Boston. Uh, but Danny was. Uh, I mean, his background quickly. Uh, he went to school at Cornell. Uh, we got a master's at the London School of Economics. Ended up in Boston. Uh, I think teaching at Harvard, teaching some sort of teaching assistant or something, and then became a volunteer at w, uh, BCN and then uh, moved up and became uh, basically the main news guy there. And uh, it was there that somebody dubbed him Danny Schechter, the news dissector. And that's what he was. He, 
he was always uh, dissecting things and, and thinking about things. And, and I think he was an honest uh, intellectual uh, and also a, a, a man of the people. He was involved with a, uh, a union at the, uh, at the radio station. Uh, and over the years, he took on a variety of causes. He uh, made a number of films about Nelson Mandela and was actually one of the key uh, publicizers of the issue of apartheid. Uh, he also was very involved with uh, publicizing the Chinese government's persecution of the Falun Gong practitioners, uh, the you know the, the the group connected to that kind of Tai Chi type of activity, uh, and uh, so so he chose a lot of things. He chose a lot of uh, to champion a lot of underdogs and a lot of people who needed somebody to take up their cause. And so that's his background. Now he also had, like, like I have had, sort of establishment credentials. He worked for uh, ABC 2020 as a producer, did uh, investigative pieces there. He worked for CNN. But he became increasingly disenchanted uh, with, as you say, the homogenization of media. His sense that we weren't getting the real story, whether it was if you want to call it left or right or something, you just weren't getting any of that, any of the sort of dissenting perspectives on what was happening in our country and in the world. And so he left and he formed his own company, uh, and they began to do, uh, he did films, he, uh, he wrote, I think, 12 books, uh, and he worked on all kinds of things. In his, in his uh, later years, he had uh, a TV show and a radio show, and I was on there as a guest a number of times, and loved the fact that he was he was so open to uh, hearing about other things. He was very early in challenging the uh, uh, the whole thing about the one percent and the whole notion that that a small group of people in this country increasingly control a disproportionate uh, share of all of the assets. He was very involved in looking at the banks and what they were up to uh, around the time and prior to the time of the crash. So he really was, I think, a very important person, and I'm sort of saddened that more people don't know about him. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. He was fearless. He took positions that were not politically correct by the standards of the day. Um, you know, I know that he was uh, th thought of very unpopular here because he supported openly Fidel Castro. But uh, whether we agree with that or not, the fact is that, uh, as you point out, he talked about the big powers, the banks and the international establishment, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he was, I think he and WBCN were sort of, they, they just disappeared from the scene. I don't know if it's as a result of that. But since they've been gone, there's been nothing like it in Boston. Now we get just the usual sort of pap. Uh, you know, maybe Jeff Cooner at WRKO brings up some things from time to time. But for the most part, everything is very sort of bland here. It's very controlled. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, his voice, even though I come from it from a different perspective, is one that I admire. And I actually agree with a lot of his issues, uh, even though I come at them from a different perspective. But but I do think there's been somewhat of a homogenization of media. And, uh, you know, you don't hear any real characters anymore, like a guy like Danny Schechter, who was sort of stepping outside the envelope and, and, and was not afraid to kind of mix it up and get into some rather colorful issues. Uh, so uh, what say you? Uh, well, I absolutely couldn't agree more. In fact, at our website, whowhatwhy.org, 
we are going to put up uh, a, a podcast, an interview that one of our people did some year, years and years and years ago with Danny. I think it goes back, oh, 20 or or. 30 years, maybe, and it ought to be fun to, uh, I, I don't remember the data thing, but it ought to be fun to listen to it. I, I started listening to it, I didn't have time yet to go through the whole thing, but Danny's telling us what local TV news actually is, and I was fascinated because I didn't know any of this about how local TV news was designed in a typical in a, in a particular way uh, that there's actually a reason that it seems so bland. There's a reason that the weather and the sports is at the end. It's all very cynically calculated uh, for the purposes of the advertisers. I, I didn't know any of that, and that's, I think, why uh, the term the news dissector is so appropriate, because Danny was always sort of studying these things almost like an anthropologist might. Oh, you very rarely see any difference in the three major networks or in, in the news coverage it's almost as if they literally cover the same stories. And they're not, you know, it's not so much that they're biased, although I think they are, but it has more to do with what they leave out. It's what's edited out of the news, what's not mentioned by maybe the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. That's, that's interesting. And uh, while I think that uh, the Internet's filled in some of the gaps uh, to an extent, it's still the, the the big TV players are still still sort of have the high ground, and uh, and they still sort of control that which we see and hear and that which we don't see and hear. Yes, and and I mean we see this all over the place. Uh, I myself throughout my career uh, and still from time to time will find myself in that pack physically at something like the Boston Marathon bombing trial where I've been up there a couple of times, and you begin to feel that group think you begin to feel the utter terror of deviating from whatever is the perceived direction of the wind that there's a very strong sense okay this is you know they can sniff it you know this is where uh, everything is headed right now let's make sure that we stay right in there and of course to be successful they need to be in there not too far behind ideally if they can what their bosses want is they want them to sniff this out and figure out okay this is where the wind is headed can you get a few inches ahead of it, not very far ahead, just a little bit ahead, uh, and keep your fingers crossed and pray that everything keeps going in this direction. So that, of course, that that kind of uh, fear and 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 uh, uh, and and sort of reticence to in any way be bold or take risks, I think characterizes much of the media and particularly the American media. And that was something that Danny was so against. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's almost like they've got a little computer chip uh, implanted in the back of their heads. Uh, but I want to get to the issue of the Boston Marathon trial, which you're covering. One of the unspoken stories, one of the stories that's not being covered about this, and it's a story that I've covered and that I've relied on the research of Charles Jacobs from the uh, Center for Tolerance, is that... Uh, Several people recently, and by recently, I'm talking the last six months, have emanated from Boston and have joined either ISIS or Al-Qaeda. And in one case, you had this woman who they called Miss Al-Qaeda, who was a student at Brandeis, of all places, and also MIT studying uh, nuclear, bio, nuclear science and biology and chemistry. She ended up uh, being picked up in Afghanistan uh, for plotting 
an Ebola attack on New York City. Um, you've got this other guy who is now the chief sort of uh, social network guy for ISIS who was in Boston. Um, there were several other people who were in Boston and who made their way uh, overseas, uh, you know, after one step ahead of exposure. We don't know what else. But uh, the fact is that this is something that is not being covered at all by the Boston Globe or by the major media. Uh, don't you think that this should be a story in Boston? I mean, don't you think people should understand the context of how this terrorist assault happened and that there might be others here as well? Well, I think there are a lot of important subtleties, and, and subtleties often lacking in that particular conversation. Let me start by saying that uh, I think historically movements of all kinds, irrespective of what they are, have drawn adherence, that people have traveled from other countries to join them, whatever they might be. Uh, and so that in itself is not surprising. What, what overall has been surprising is that the United States has millions and millions and millions of Muslims, and almost none of them get involved in these things. I mean, statistically, it's such a tiny, 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 tiny group of people that I think, again, the media whipping up this kind of a hysteria. I think you bring up a different point, but I'm going to take that in another direction. I'm interested in Boston uh, increasingly, I might say, and I live in New York City, as, as, as something worth studying. And what I mean is this. Uh, Boston is one of the few places in the United States of particular interest uh, to uh, both Washington and to uh, foreign uh, elements, uh, foreign governments, spy services, and so on. Uh, you will, of course, recall the Russian spy ring uh, based in Cambridge there, uh, and, uh, of course, these schools like Harvard and, and, and MIT and what have you. I mean, there's just a, there's just a wealth of uh, valuable research being done, uh, both in terms of just uh, advances, scientific advances, but also, it really, Boston is a very important part of the so-called military-industrial complex, uh, and so it's a natural target for all of these places. So you've got this kind of a hothouse there. I don't know what all these things mean, but I can tell you that not only are there foreign powers operating there, but the U.S. Uh, security services are swarming the place everywhere, uh, uh, a lot of it, of course, uh, covert. And, and they're all doing that spy versus spy stuff, trying to infiltrate each other. And it's very hard to know who anybody is. And so in, in our work at whowhatwhy.org, looking at the uh, Boston bombing story, we found all these traces of relationships from the FBI and the CIA and on and on and on to uh, family members of the Sarnayev brothers, to the elder Sarnayev, to their uncle, to their swim coach, to... Uh, they're, they're mentors, all right, we uh, rest. on and we on and on. Now, break what break. all this means, I don't know, but I agree with you very much. Cleaning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Tune up the furnace, clean the gutters, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, plumbers, whatever type of home pro you need need and home advisor is absolutely free to use at home advisor you can read customer reviews of the pros even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area and because home advisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home 
they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Search engine rankings can make or break a business, and not ranking on page one is guaranteed to cost you money. So why not rank before you pay? That's right. You get ranked or you don't pay. Did you know over 80% of online shoppers never leave page one? And companies reaching page one status can and do make more money. So where does your business rank? Are you turning clicks into cash or are you handing it to the competition? Increase your exposure, increase traffic, and maximize your online footprint with rankbeforeyoupay.com. Enter your domain name and let Rank Before You Pay start moving you to the top. Rank Before You Pay, the performance-based SEO company, is fully results-driven, eliminating your risk. It's a fact. Search engine rankings can make or break a business, and not ranking on page one is guaranteed to cost you money. Visit rankbeforeyoupay.com, enter your URL, and start turning clicks into clients today. Visit rankbeforeyoupay.com, rankbeforeyoupay.com. That's rankbeforeyoupay.com. Some restrictions apply. Offer valid in select cities. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates or low minimum payments. And before you know it, you owe thousands of dollars in credit card debt. It has happened to millions of good people just like you. But here's the good news. Thanks to a powerful program now approved, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and even reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. That's right. Our nationwide nonprofit program is helping U.S. residents cut their credit card payments. Call 800 800- 991-6376 now. The call and information are free. Credit Guard has helped over half a million people with their credit card debt, and now we can help you. Call 800-991-6376 to see how this powerful nonprofit program can work for you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-991-6376. That's 800-991-6376. Again, 800-991-6376. Turn down that radio! If this sounds familiar, you know it's time to address your hearing loss. But custom hearing aids can cost as much as $5,000 each and are not covered by Medicare. The good news is MD Hearing Aid offers medical-grade, FDA-registered hearing aids for savings of up to 90% over traditional hearing aids. MD Hearing Aid was founded by a Chicago surgeon determined to develop a hearing aid that was technologically advanced, simple to use, and most of all, affordable. Call 1-800-485-4408. You'll speak with a trained MD hearing aid professional who will match you with the best hearing aid for your needs. Over 100,000 satisfied customers have already made the call. Call right now for our exclusive 45-day risk-free trial and get free shipping and a year's worth of free batteries, a $50 value. But you have to call right now. Call MD hearing aid at 1-800-485-4408. That's 1-800-485-4408. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. And my guest is Russ Baker. The website is who, what, why. We'll get we're gonna get some real cutting edge journalism and blogging on a variety of issues. Russ, I think that the uh, the Boston Globe and the Boston Media Establishment could report on the terrorists operating here without whipping up hysteria against Muslims. The fact is that uh, Charles Jacobs and his group 
were invited to the Globe for an editorial board meeting where they spent three hours presenting a, a vast piece of documented evidence showing that um, Hamas and radical groups had funded the mosque that was built in Boston, and they showed other connections to radicals in Boston, and that uh, the Globe listened to it, they asked questions, and then they completely ignored it. They said nothing about it, and this was before the marathon attack. As far as the FBI and the CIA in Boston, they did know who the Sarnef brothers were because they were told by the Russian government on three occasions that these people were suspected of terrorist sympathies, and they did nothing about it. They uh, Basically, those guys, by the way, were on welfare for years, and uh, eventually they paid us back by bombing the marathon. Uh, they were seen at the mosque that I just mentioned, the big mosque in Roxbury, and overheard making radical statements at that mosque. None of it was reported to the FBI. The FBI has been told by the U.S. Department of Justice that they're not allowed to uh, engage in any kind of sting operations in those mosques anyway, so I suppose it's off limits. They can't know what's going on. The point is well, that um, there is I, a I hear what you're saying, and that and, can be addressed without there's, necessarily there's truth to that. Uh, my concern is this, and this comes from our whowhatwhy.org has spent two years investigating the marathon bombing. We have done more research into it, as far as I know, than any news organization anywhere, and I'm including Boston, National, International. We're virtually alone in going in with an agnostic attitude, digging in and trying to figure out what we can figure out. And what I will say is this. Um, the the FBI has a long history going way back. Uh, do you remember COINTELPRO and so forth? It has a long, long history of using so-called infiltration of radical elements to uh, purportedly foil crimes. Now, it is true that there is some role uh, for the intelligence side of any organizations, and the FBI is a domestic, in part, a domestic domestic intelligence organization to uh, have undercover people and to find out what's happening. But there is a very fine line between finding out what is happening and inciting. And this is where the FBI's record is uh, extremely problematical. Over the years, we've seen many, many, many cases where it was an FBI uh, inciter or provocateur who uh, went in somewhere and encouraged people to do things. And so the reason that uh, there are some prohibitions now on the FBI sending people into mosques is for the very reason that you have a guy like Tamerlan Sarnayev. He was a man who wanted a U.S. passport. Uh, and although we are told that he did all these radical things, they are all in line with the things that uh, informants and provocateurs are told to do, to go into a mosque and to speak loudly and to encourage people. A classic example, 1993, the first attempt at bringing down the World Trade Center at New York, World Trade Towers, uh, that man man, Ahmad Salem, uh, a uh, retired uh, Egyptian army officer, was uh, 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 tasked by the FBI to go into these mosques and to try to encourage and find people there who might join him in a plot. And uh, he did. Uh, and as he later told his FBI handler, he well, said, look, we wrong, were wrong responsible that, for that bomb. What, what's, <laughs> that's what's, meaning what's, the FBI. He said, you told me wait, to go wait, in wait, and wait. do that. 
Yeah. Uh, and well, so uh, we, we need all, Russ, to look uh, at things hello, like the uh, Sarnayev case this is a talk show. Uh, and ask whether we really understand what was going on there. Uh, Russ, first of all, the, I, I, you know, the FBI did the same thing in the 1960s to the uh, Ku Klux Klan. And uh, as far as them going in and encouraging people, I don't know if it's so much encouraging them. What they're doing is they're finding out who's there. And I would rather see an FBI agent find out than, you know, somebody like the mad, the mad uh, sheikh in Boston who fled the country right after we picked up Mahana and who was threatening to, to machine gun the Natick Mall. So, yeah, they go in and they try to find out who's going to be involved in this. I don't think that I would say they're encouraging, excuse me, I would suggest that what they're doing is by, you know, sending out a, uh, you know, the various code words, as they did with the Ku Klux Klan in the 60s, they're identifying people who might be terrorists, and they're, you know, as such, noting them. And with regard well, but, but, to the but, the, but brothers, the fact of the matter the is, FBI if you didn't read Ahmad Salem's testimony, he stipulates that he was told to go in and cajole people. In other words, people who oh, said no. But he I'd kept rather he do them. the cajoling than I'd rather he do the cajoling than somebody who's, uh, you know, the FBI doesn't know about. That's the whole point. <laughs>